Trigger warning. This episode mentions suicide and suicidal ideation. Listener discretion is advised. <clears throat> it's going to be one of those episodes. Hi everyone, may peace be on you all and welcome to another episode, a solo episode of I'm a Muslim and That's Okay. As always, I'm your host Shella and I am back talking about something that is pretty tricky for me. It takes me down places that I never thought I would go down, um, but uh, as is with life, there's lots of curveballs that are thrown your way. So I titled this episode, The M Word. And the M word I'm talking about is one of those things that is, I guess, is a part of life for all women since the beginning of women existing. But it's so, it's talked about so rarely. And there's so much taboo associated with it because it, I think for women especially, there is so much taboo around, um, apart from literally everything in our existence, but growing old is one of them that traditionally we've been thought of as beneficial only when young and when you are old We are pointless because we are no longer beautiful and fertile. So the M word for today and what I'm going to be talking about is menopause. Yeah. Um, Very recently, um, almost a year into all of this, I began experiencing certain certain symptoms which were unusual for me. And... uh, Yeah, uh, I've never had uh, regular periods and, you know, anything really working out in terms of my body functioning normally. But when it comes to irregular periods and heavy periods, I do have polycystic ovarian syndrome, uh, syndrome, PCOS. So, yeah, you know, having hormonal imbalances and all of that was not unknown to me. But this was beyond that. It was everything going wonky not in a, not just in the terms of the physical sense my periods had always been irregular but um for those who don't know i mean for women women know but for those um that are men they they you know the the i guess the prevalent joke is about usually about pms and how it makes women crazy and I say that in air quotes because <laughs> somebody I mean I read this somewhere um and I I heavily believe in it and I tell every woman who you know really buys into the whole myth of crazy when PMSing it's not that we become crazy that's what I'd read it's just that our BS tolerance is lowered and I firmly believe that that as women we have to go through so much BS that just before our period, our BS tolerance lowers and that's when 
we're really, you know, showing our true feelings about a lot of nonsense that we have to put up with. But anyway, the fact is that a lot of hormonal up and down can cause anxiety and depression. And I used to go through that at some level, you know, before my period. It was, I mean, I could tell before I had, um, before I would, you know, really get my period that um, I was probably close to that time anyway, um, because of the increased anxiety. Um, I have anxiety anyway. And And a certain upswing of depression. And I think there's a lot of misunderstanding around depression as well. It was not sadness. It's just, um, for me particularly, again, there's a lot of symptoms to depression. And before I go any further, this is not a means for you to diagnose yourself with anything, Um, either PMS or depression or anxiety. If you feel that you suffer from any of these things that I'm about to describe in this episode, please consult your doctor. They are the best ones. Do not self-diagnose because that can be harmful. But anyway, getting back. um, So uh, for me, the depression was really the inability to really bring myself to do a lot of things that I would normally be able to do, um, really not wanting to get out of bed. Um, for at least that moment or that small period of time. That was what generally the de- the depression I used to suffer from just before my period. Uh, it was nothing major, but you could tell that something was off. But anyway, um, a year prior, I had... Um, I started developing more symptoms in which my depression and anxiety were very elevated to the point where it was not normal for me and I got a little worried because I didn't like how I was feeling and it was impacting how I could show up for my kids so I went to the doc went to my OBGYN and at that point I was not on birth control so I was like listen doc I'm feeling off um and and I I think I might benefit from some really s- hormonal support. And usually birth control is the easiest option. And she prescribed me one. And it worked for a little while, for a couple of months. I felt okay. Um, but then I think the overall effect of it started wearing off. And I found that my anxiety and depression came back and not just that I started having hot flashes now this is one of those things that is uh, like unusual for me because I don't generally mind the heat I know a lot of people um, don't like the heat but I never mind and I usually feel cold a lot more than I feel hot I'm very sensitive to the cold weather but I was getting hot flashes and again the same uh, hormonal um, like depression and anxiety swings that I had had off of birth control went back to my doc and told her you know I think there's something really off and I'm having hot flashes now but yeah I'm only 40 Um, she was like this is very unlikely that you'd 
be going through hot flashes and hormonal mood swings just like in menopause um we're gonna try changing your birth control pills and i agreed because yeah um even in my mind 40 seems very young to be going through menopause and uh, i was like yeah let's do it let's change the birth control pill and so i did again everything seemed fine um couple of months mood swings were not there anymore um and was not going through hot flashes but yeah the cycle seemed to be um repeating itself after a couple of months I was back to my doc and this time for the worst reason possible because not just that I had um, my um, hormonal swings had come back and my hot flashes were still not stopping. Um, my anxiety and depression had gotten so bad that I had become suicidal. Again, I was not prepared for this. And, you know, when you suffer from anxiety and depression, um... There is a point, I think, especially with generalized anxiety, where, like, and I've always had generalized anxiety. Depression comes and goes again. It's cyclical. Um, You're never suicidal, but, you know, you do have your lows um, in which you fear rejection a lot. But this was beyond that. And... I think for those who have ever been in a situation where they're suicidal, um, it's different for everybody, okay? For me, I can only tell you my experience, but I think that's one of the points that we miss when we hear that somebody has committed suicide. And this is hard for me to say because, um, again, I never thought I'd be in that situation. But I think it's important for people to understand that people who commit suicide don't want to. But when I was there, and I distinctly remember I was in the bathroom, I think I was, um, I I was getting ready to take a bath. And, um, Suddenly, your mind loses itself. That everything, you know, all of us have negative thoughts and it's impossible for anybody to not have them. I think all of us do keep those stored away somewhere in our minds and um, they trickle out for most people, you know, when we are vulnerable. But at that moment, that entire vault had been opened. And every single ounce of grief that was in there, every bad negative thought comes flowing out. And I don't think people fully understand the impact of that. If I had to describe it in any way, it was like I was drowning but not in water. I had the best way to describe it. It was that 
I was in slime, the slime of grief. And you're trapped in there and you don't know how to get out. And you're desperately trying to breathe, but you can't. And you would do almost anything to get out of that slime of grief. Um, I was trying to desperately to come back into present real space. But there was no thought in my head, nothing around me that was strong enough to bring me back into the present space that could eradicate the grief that I was drowning in. And that's what happens. That when you're in that grief, drowning in the worst possible way, you're suffocating. You would do almost anything to make that pain go to go away. To it's you're trying to escape that grief, and you would take your life to escape that grief because it's so painful. I cannot begin to describe how painful that grief is. I wish more people understood that before they judged people who were suicidal, who have committed suicide, that that grief is incredibly painful, that it's like any physical experience. And I think that's the problem. Most people understand physical oppression, but they don't understand mental oppression. But it's just as bad. When your own grief consumes you in that way, you would do anything to escape it. I think the only way I got out of it, and that's the funny part, is that I heard my children fighting outside. And in that instant, the grief evaporated. I was lucky because... I love my children dearly and I cannot imagine not being there and helping them grow up. That's the only thing that snapped me out of it. But again, um, it's a very dangerous situation. And even, even mothers who commit suicide, it's not because they're selfish. It's just that they're holding on to a whole lot of untreated grief and un- untreated mental health conditions. That's the thing. We don't speak about this. We don't talk about this enough. But we have to. If we care about the men and women in our lives that are su- suffering, we have to do more. I got very lucky. At that time, when my children fighting outside my door snapped me out of it, I realized how much trouble I was. Before that, I didn't even realize it. So, back to the OBGYN, actually. Oh, um, before that, I went to my primary care doctor. I was so scared. I didn't want to have to go through that again. And I knew time was of the essence because... If history was any indicator, this was going to come back the next time I was going to be on my period. So I needed help quickly. 
I went to my primary care doctor and I told her that this is what's happening and she immediately prescribed me a low dose antidepressant the best thing that has ever happened to me quite literally because again when you're so used to having a mental health condition generalized anxiety cyclical depression for all your life literally majority of my life you just view it as normal when it's really something that's very treatable and as soon as I went on those antidepressants it was an incredible really like a weight lifted off of me from the inside lower anxiety lower mood swings lower depression I I can't believe that I waited 40 years to have to experience this kind of relief and that's the thing that we go through this in so much silence and anonymity because we think that if we admit to it that we're admitting to something horrific or something terribly wrong with us but there isn't it's just same things as physical ailments it is a mental ailment and it can be very easily treated for most people and again for me i was lucky i had one pill that gave me so much relief um sometimes you have to go through multiple medications to find the right one but i assure you that it is for the best in most cases and again please don't see this as a a a tool for diagnosis this podcast is not that i'm not a certified doctor every case and situation is definitely different and antidepressants and anxiety meds are not the only uh, thing that you do need you do have to really go through counseling there's a lot of things that we we unknowingly carry from our life and life experiences that do have to be healed before really anti-anxiety and antidepressant meds and any other um, mental health condition uh, medications can help we do have to really heal um, not just through medic medication but through our own internal heart and spiritual healing as well that's very important so both things go hand in hand and the thing is i then went to my obgyn and i'm like this is not normal um still having hot flashes and still have hot flashes right now i'm on an antidepressant and she was like most likely you're going through menopause it's unlikely at your age but it's not impossible and here i am with that m word i am going through menopause so next few years will be fun <laughs> but i think even with you know all of this being really wonky i think it came at the right time only if only to show me that my mental health condition was something that was that was really causing me to suffer unnecessarily i really really wish that i had known that my anxiety and cyclical depression were affecting me in this way because now um being on antidepressants i feel so much better 
that I am not spending a lot of my internal energy trying to regulate my anxiety, to regulate the depression when it comes. It's so freeing. And I'm so grateful for menopause. <laughs> yeah. I am grateful for my menopause because it's taught me something so important that mental wellness and mental well-being is, if I had to argue, I mean, physical well-being is definitely important. But we don't know how many phys uh, physical ailments that we go through just because we're not at, I guess, ideal mental health. And it's never going to be, I think, ideal even for me. But at least the best it can be, that's what we forget. So for anybody listening, I think if there's any if there's any lesson to take away, number one is trust your instincts and go to your doc. And even if they dismiss you the first time, second time, keep going. If you have to change docs, change docs. That's fine. I didn't have to change my docs because by the third time, I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're going to take you seriously. And um, take care of your mental well-being. Absolutely the most important thing that you can do for yourself. Go to a doctor, go to a therapist, really. I think it's high time that we really focused on how important this is. That these are things that we shouldn't wait until they consume us. If it's something that even if it causes us a burden on the inside, we should really go and seek help. And I know a lot of times it's not easy when ish, the medical industry can be, be very difficult, especially when it comes to mental health care. But be your own advocate. Push as far as you need to. Change doctors as you need to. Your mental health wellness is very important, just like your physical wellness is very important. So with that, I hope that... I know it was a difficult episode to listen to, but I only put this out there for the very reason that I waited far too long until I was at the edge of the abyss, ready to throw myself into it. Don't wait that long. Please get the help you need. And I will be putting links in the show notes for the Mental Health Crisis Hotline and even what we call warm lines. If you think that you're suicidal, or even if you don't feel suicidal, but just are, are, are struggling, that's what warm lines are for. Um, I can unfortunately only put in the warm, uh, the warm lines for the Dallas areas, but your city and your state um, do have a, a designated warm line where you can call up just so you can have somebody on the other line listening to you when you're struggling. A lot of times we can't get to a counselor when we need to, especially if it's like 12 and now at night and you're struggling. Trust me, I've been there. So the suicide hotline and warm lines are literally lifesavers. I'll put some numbers and links down in the show notes for that for anybody who's struggling with it. And really, even if you have to reach out to me, I am here you can email me, DM me, because I know what it's like. I don't want anybody to have to struggle alone. Please feel free to DM me, email me, 
uh, there's a good chance that I will be up like two o'clock at night because with menopause also comes insomnia. Who would have known that how much hot flashes keep you up? That's right. Like, like there's nothing I can do about the hot flashes. Okay, I get in the middle of the night and until it passes, I'm up. Okay, and it's the weirdest thing. Okay, like if I had to put in anything, any funny spin to this. Okay. I always thought like hot flashes, you see it in the movies, like some movies, like not not even a whole lot of movies like really show hot flashes that it'd be just like feeling hot, like like maybe your face flushes or something like that. I get the weirdest hot flashes. OK, it's like my feet and my hands are the parts that get hot and I'm sitting there and I'm struggling under my blanket. I'm trying to throw it off and trying to get some air into my hands and my feet, but they're not. They don't, they don't feel the coolness. That's it's, it's the dead of winter. And I could can't put a blanket on because I'm feeling so hot in my extremities. It's like the weirdest thing. And you can't sleep because of it. And I think half the time I'm up most of the night. I'm in the morning sleep deprived. It's, it's really, it's not fun, okay? As is I don't do well on without sleep. And I, I'm tired all the time. Like I'm cranky because like I didn't get enough sleep. It's so weird. But yeah, I mean, it's it's an adventure, which I guess I'm going to have to go through for at least the next couple of years and try to figure out how to function normally. But I, can, I think that's the other thing. It's one of those things that all women will have to face one way or the other. And it's okay. Really, it's okay if you can't do everything that you used to be able to do. All right? Your body is putting through you through a very specific kind of heck. Okay? So, if you need to sit down, sit down. If you need to turn the AC on full blast, you do that. Okay? It's, it's still the dead of winter in Dallas right now. And I'm sitting there with a the fan on full blast. And my husband, aren't you cold? I'm like, no! I'm hot! <laughs> but yeah um so the thing is take it easy on yourself get the help you need get the rest you need and again i reiterate if you are struggling with suicidal ideation for any reason suicidal prevention hotline warm lines if you need to and it's important to have a system of support I know a lot of times the people closest to you do not understand or really have the empathy or the capacity to really care. And that's a tragedy. And I think that's the thing. I think that's what I really get mad at is that just because the other person has never experienced these ideation doesn't mean that they shouldn't be there to help. I think we should all be ready to really, um, really just have a compassionate ear or just sit there in silence with them if they're grieving and they're 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 unsure what to do with themselves just sit there with them so they they know that they're not alone it's integral if you wish to save somebody's life just do that that if they come to you and confide in you that they're being suicidal you listen to them don't dismiss them and if you have nothing to say then just don't say anything and help them in any way you can. So again, to everybody, y'all really, really take care of yourselves, okay? 
I made the mistake of not doing the most I could. Don't make the same mistake. And may peace be on you all. Thank you so much for tuning in to I'm a Muslim and That's Okay. And if you wish to follow my social media for more updates, you can follow me on Instagram, on Facebook, and on YouTube. All the links to those are in the show notes. And if you are on Apple or on Spotify or on Podchaser, please do give my podcast a five-star rating. It really does help get me, you know, in the public eye. And if you wish to donate to support the podcast, you can do so through the PayPal link in my show notes as well. Take care.